Hello and welcome back to Getaway Day. I am Mason. With me today is on the far right, Gautham, and in the middle, our occasional, sometimes guest host and best friend, Matthew. So, how are you guys doing today? I am great. Good deal. You you guys uh, getting back into the swing of things after our uh, pretty big week we had last week? Yep. Uh, Slowly. Sad that there's not more baseball games to go to, but I guess you got to come back to reality at some point. Yeah, I uh, I was going through some withdrawals there for the first two days. And then also, like, it doesn't help that I can't see anything. Um, but, you know, whatever. We'll get that fixed. I got an eye doctor appointment on Friday. We'll get a new prescription and new glasses, and it'll be fine. Who needs glasses anyway? Um, yeah, so I guess we'll probably get right into it here in a minute. Uh, but if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Make sure to let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments, uh, reviews on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. It really helps us out, lets us know what you guys do and don't like, um, and then just kind of helps push it to more people and gets more people engaged. Um, you could also follow us on Facebook or Twitter and now on TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to use the TikTok 100% yet. Uh, I've got some ideas, but I need to figure out video editing to do little snips of the podcast here. Uh, but I've got some other ideas for that, too. So if you want to see any of mine or possibly some of Gotham's baseball card collection or some of our memorabilia, we might try and show that off occasionally. We'll work some stuff in there. Um, and then, as always, we do have our Discord server um, for if you ever want to continue the conversation about any particular episode, baseball in general, fantasy baseball, Gowie's huge into that. Uh, you talk about it there. Um, so that being said, let's get right into the content. So we've missed about two weeks, right? Uh, of basically since the last time there was podcast, and that was... Gotham going solo. So we've got about two weeks of really interesting baseball stuff to talk about. So we're going to try and knock it down to a very small amount. Um, so I guess, Gowie, you want to lead us off in this week in baseball? Uh, yeah. So we had a couple no-hitters this week. One was a real no-hitter. The other one was a unusual no-hitter. That's probably more rare. It's more rare than a regular no-hitter, right? An eight-inning uh, no-hitter where the team loses, yeah. which is well, not technically and, a no-hitter. Yeah, and so, like, it's hard to tell because, like, I don't know how you would look that up. I'm sure like, they've got it somewhere, but... Matthew, yeah. tweet at Sarah Langs and see if she has a response <laughs> for us by the end of the episode. I, I'm almost disappointed she never posted one when it happened. Yeah. But. But yeah, but so that one was uh, the Cincinnati Reds, right? Against Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Hunter Green, seven and a third innings, no hit ball. He walked a couple guys. They brought in a reliever. They walked in the run and then lost one nothing. They didn't walk in the run, actually. The, the bases got loaded. Then there was a ground ball, like Taylor made double play that was m- misplayed. So they were only able to get one out of it. Um, and then uh, a run scored. So that double play would have got them out of the inning. 
with no runs being scored. Instead, the run scored, and that was all they needed. Dang. So pretty uh, embarrassing thing for the Reds. And the thing that surprised me was that they actually let Hunter Green go out in that eighth inning, even though he had a super high pitch count. He ended up throwing 118 pitches. Why do you do that if you're the Reds? There's zero chance he would have finished the game. Yeah, I don't get that. It's his seventh game of his career. The dude is uh, 22 years old. He throws like 101. Like saving his arm, you would think would be like priority number one in this situation. Like maybe you let him go to 110. But if he's not out of it at that point, you kind of got to you kind of got to pull him because you don't want to hurt him. And yeah, you like Mark here is making the argument. Have you seen the Reds bullpen? Well, have you seen the Reds like throwing him a complete game is not going to get you much. Like you might as well just mail it in. Yeah. He's kind of like the one, the one good thing they have going for him, right? Like you don't yeah. want to mess that up. And he's had a ton of uh, injuries himself in the past. So why risk it there? Yeah, exactly. But um, he did have a really dominant game, though. Uh, so what did I say? Seven and a third in the 118 um, pitches, nine uh, Ks. Um, he did have five walks, which is, and was uh, tagged with the run. So he did kind of struggle there at the end. But then again, that's kind of what happens whenever you let a 22 year old kid go to 120 pitches on top of his warm-up tosses that day and all the pregame throws. And so he's probably at 250 throws. Like, that's not an insignificant amount. But, oh well. But then we did get an actual no-hitter. And that was on, what, when? Tuesday. Tuesday? Yeah. So Reed Detmers goes out and throws a nine inning no hitter against the Tampa Bay Rays with only two strikeouts. Only reason it wasn't perfect is because he did have one walk. Like, how? Like, I love Reed. I am so happy that he did this. Uh, no longer qualifies as a rookie, uh, but he's from my hometown, or well, my current hometown ish, hometown adjacent. Um, but yeah, he's struggled so far this year. And then he goes out and gets a no hitter against the Rays who have probably some of the best contact hitters in the league. Don't they? Yeah. And, guys like Yandi Franco, like pretty, pretty good, uh, offensive team and completely shuts them down only with two strikeouts, which is really rare for a no hitter. I would say. Yeah. So we unfortunately missed that game by a day which would have been so cool to see. But, oh well. Um, see, anything else you want to talk about about the no-hitters? In that no-hitter, the Angels' offense went absolutely crazy, though. Uh, Trout went three for four. Otani went two for five. Rendon hit a home run off Brett Phillips, left-handed. Ridiculous stuff. Yeah, and then the next day, Rendon was listed as a switch hitter. <laughs> I was going to say, does he get the switch hitter designation on his baseball reference now? Uh, let me check. 
so I have Fangraphs pulled up right now. Still right hand, right hand. Gotta complain to him. I know, right? Anthony Rendon. Uh, still listed his bats right on B-Ref. So he's not getting the love he deserves. Him and G-Man Choi are both listed as just one-handed guys. But, um, let's see here. Ooh, more terrible Reds news. Uh, Christian Yelich hit another cycle. His third career cycle, his third career cycle against the Cincinnati Reds. He is now one of, was it six or seven guys that have three cycles in their career? Do you remember, Matt? We were talking about it. We listed them all off, but I don't remember. He did, and I don't remember the number. But question now is, will he get four? I feel like he's got to. They have like 14 more games against the Reds. That's the sheer. Yeah. Yeah. No, we and might need to change this segment uh, to like, the bashing the red segment instead of just this week in baseball. <laughs> uh, well, about... if we're going to do that, we're going to have to start talking about Castellini. Yeah. But, um, all right. And then, uh, this one, you talked a little bit about, uh, two weeks ago on your solo pod, uh, but just the sheer dominance of Aaron judge. But I, I pulled up his numbers since that podcast that you did. And, Judge really, really wants his money this offseason, and he wants the MVP. Uh, since the 5th of May, Judge is slashing 368, 444, 789 with five home runs, walking at a 13.3% clip and striking out just a little bit more often than that at 178 Dude is yeah, nuts. He's ridiculous. He's got 14 homers now, which leads the league. Yesterday in Baltimore, he had uh, four hits. In five at bats, two home runs, and then one uh, double that was in that left field, new left field in Baltimore that easily would have been a home run last year. Yeah, he's making a smart decision, turn, passing on that money this offseason. Which it's, I don't think anyone thought that he was going to be quite this good this early. I don't know if it was necessarily like how good he would play. I think it was more whether he was going to stay healthy. At least that's what well, I thought. Well, yes, and that's still my concern. But yeah. I didn't expect him to have 14 home runs before the end of May. Or maybe at the end of May, but not in the middle of May. Like, especially since we started about a week later. Like, I figured it would take him a little bit more time to get in his groove. And he's, like, probably pretty easily one of the top three hitters in the league right now, isn't he? If not yeah. the best. No question about it, yeah. If uh, two thirteen WRC plus so far this year, um, three fifteen average, three eighty four OBP, six ninety two, and that's for the season. Like, I expected him to be good. I didn't expect him to be this good. So, mm -hmm. I guess it's uh, probably a good time to own a one on one Aaron Judge auto, isn't it? But, yeah, check what that's worth recently. Uh, I have it listed for a thousand so far. No offers. So, so if anyone in the podcast wants, like, this is what? your time. If anyone, if anyone in the podcast listening yeah. wants a one of one Aaron Judge, 
Yeah, 2021 uh, Tops Archive Signature Series, one of one Aaron Judge on a 30th anniversary Bowman 2019. Yeah, for the low, so, low price of $1,000. Exactly. Uh, let's see, what else we got here? The last thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into our trip is Juan Yepes for the Cardinals. Uh, the rookie came up, his first uh, five games was kind of rough. He didn't have any hits. And he's he was the Cardinals um, uh, minor league player of the year last year. He's kind of gone under the radar uh, as far as one of the top prospects in baseball this year. Uh, he's not in the top 100, but if you were a Cardinals fan, you knew about him. Well, all of a sudden, week two of his stint in the majors, he went off. Um, two home runs, 11% walk, uh, or almost 12% walk rate, 17% K rate. He's only hitting 276, 382, 483. But he's that's pretty much what we kind of expect for him in general. So he's coming up and being a stabilizing force for this Cardinals team that has kind of been struggling a lot offensively recently. So he's had a really hot second week and third week here now. He's batting cleanup tonight. So I just wanted to give him a little shout out because out of all these big prospects, he's like the first He's like the first prospect to really come up and start out hot, I think, this year. So, Royce Lewis as well. He he Are also you? started hot and played really well in Correa's absence, but they actually sent him back down, which was kind of disappointing because he, he really played really well. He didn't yeah. deserve to get sent down. It just was a roster situation. Yeah, they said they're going to um, give him some position versatility in AAA to open it up since, I mean, Correa is one of the best, if not the best, defensive shortstop in baseball. So he's not being supplanted. So let him go work around, yep. and if he can hit, get him some time in center. Yep, get him some time in center, just on the off chance. Yeah, off chance. Well, I don't want to wish it because that'd be an awful thing to do. But we kind of know mm-hmm. Buxton's track record with staying healthy. They're being mm-hmm. super careful with him. They're giving him tons of off days and. I don't know. Maybe it Yeah. Well, hopefully it works. All right. So that's kind of all the big stuff that happened that we were not in the building for this last week. So if you didn't know, we went on a big baseball trip here last week. Uh, one day in Phoenix caught a Diamondbacks game. Three days in San Diego caught two and two, two plus. Padres games, <laughs> we'll explain that in a minute. Uh, one Angels game and two Dodgers games, all in a seven-day period. Um, and we just kind of wanted to talk you through kind of the highlights of our trip, do some stadium rankings, um, kind of talk about the kind of the best bits of, of all of those different games. So who wants to lead us off with the Diamondbacks? You do, because you're a big Diamondbacks fan. Ooh, that's a good point. Please hold. Almost forgot my wardrobe change. Um, All right, so Arizona, Colorado. We showed up a little bit late. Turns out there was a little bit of uh, construction on the train trying to get from the hotel to the stadium. But we get there. uh, It's pretty empty, honestly. We kind of went, got food, and then we never made it to our seats in that game at all. I think we had maybe upper-level seats. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Walked right in about two rows from the back of the uh, the bottom uh, or first um, first level, 
it's where we sat the entire game. Um, I think we were all expecting that to be an incredibly high scoring game. Were we not Kyle Freeland versus Zach Davies? Yeah. In Arizona. For sure. Yeah. Uh, silly us to think that was going to happen. Both Freeland and Davies went six innings. I think, uh, Davies actually went six and a third, two walks each, um, five hits for Freeland maybe, and or three hits for Davies. So it was a pitcher's duel that none of us saw coming. Scoring didn't start until the bottom of the eighth. Uh, There were three straight walks in the first run scored on a ground into double play. Then things got interesting in the top of the ninth. Mark Melanson comes in after pitching two straight days, uh, gave up a single, a single, got a strikeout, got a fielder's choice, gave up another single and another single, and ended up losing the game four to one with that being all the scoring in the bottom of eight and top of nine. So not the best game that we saw the entire week by far. Is that fair to say? But no surprise. I mean, it's the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and I also, Chris Bryant was hurt, so he didn't play. Yeah, and so. I, I recall that uh, we spent so much time waiting for our Diamondback dogs that we felt like this game was just speeding by. It felt like the first five or six innings went by in like an hour. Yeah, yeah and then it still ended up taking three hours and 24 minutes or something. Was it that long? I thought it was a little bit shorter than that, but mm, I thought it, it was, was just over three. I thought it was 320. But it definitely slowed down a lot. It, Towards the later innings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so not the most interesting game, but I think we all had some things that we liked about the stadium, didn't we? Yeah. So I guess. Yeah. Using different balls in Phoenix. Phoenix is uh, one of them that actually had the humidor prior to this year. They've had it for a little or for a couple of years now. So I don't know how much we could blame the humidor ball as much as we can blame terrible offenses. But, um, yeah. So what do you say we go through our rankings of uh, the stadium? So we're going to rank it here on a couple different categories. I've actually got five categories here. Architecture of the stadium, food and drink selection, food and drink prices, atmosphere, and an X factor that can be whatever you want. So if it doesn't have an X factor, you could put in a one, but everything's ranked one to ten. And then we'll spit out an overall. So, Matt, I know you have some notes that you took on all of them. Uh, Gowie and I did not prepare very much, and we're going off the seat of our pants. So we'll let you start. All right. Do you want me to go through every category or just one at a time? Uh, let's go right architecture there? first and just kind of talk about it, and then we'll move on. So I gave the architecture a four. It is a okay ballpark. However, the fact that the roof cannot open or close while people are inside of it Knocked it down a lot. Um, so yeah. that's where it left it as a four. Yeah, I could see that. And uh, honestly, we probably should have done a better job of walking around the stadium a little bit. I think we pretty much only went from, excuse me, behind home plate to the right field foul pole in the concourse area. And that's mm-hmm. about the extent of where we walked. So all of our um, impression of the architecture of the stadium is from approaching it on the outside, which it was nice. It wasn't anything spectacular. Um, it's kind of like a. I like to describe it as like a less unique Miller Park. It just looks like a large 
warehouse almost um, that was built in the late 90s. Kind of, it, like, like it looks like if you built Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy in the 90s. That's what it looks like mm-hmm. to me. Um, definitely doesn't look like it would be a baseball stadium from the outside, but it does have the paneling that opens. The roof supposedly yep. opens. Um, they do have the pool in right center. That's a really cool feature that we didn't really approach. So I would ordinarily give it about a six, I think. Uh, but because the roof doesn't open, I'm going to knock it back to a five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the roof not opening is not that big of a deal, right? That thing needs to be closed at all times. It was very hot in Arizona when we were there. Yeah, it was 100 degrees and the game started like yes. dusk. So I don't know if this counts as the, the architecture, really. Maybe it's more like atmosphere, but it was very like comfortable in there it was not hot at all so they got that ac cranking even with the uh big panels open in the center field i think that's a kind of cool look though so i'd probably give it a six as well it's very similar to american family field miller park in my eyes yeah and and honestly you bringing up the point that like it really shouldn't open anyway you're right. So I'll go back and change mine back to a six, which is what I was originally going to give it. So I won't be so kind. I'm not going to give them bonus points for having a roof that could, that is a lot, that big of a liability. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but. All right. So now we got food and drink selection. Right. So this one, we did quite a bit of research on before we got there. Right. Mm -hmm. Pretty much at every stadium. So I'll go ahead and let you start here again, Matt. All right. So this one got a seven. And while there wasn't a ton of food, they had a more unique item there of where they have their Diamondbacks dog, which we all got quite good. Um, But they also brought in a chef who came up with a road dog for every opponent and so every series they play at home a different dog to the creation of the uh, road team is created for them and i thought that was very unique yeah that was that was awesome and the home dog was really good um Mm -hmm. the away dog for the rockies kind of didn't really look that great but the fact that they've got one for every visiting team leads me to believe that you're going to have some phenomenal ones and some that are maybe kind of a dud. And so you're fine with it. Um, they did also have uh, their discount dogs were quite tasty as well. Um, so like even the cheap food that they had tasted pretty good. So I, I kind of agree with you here on the seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus the beer selection, they did have quite a wide variety yes. of beer to choose from. And that was in that small section we went to. I'm sure they had a lot more that we didn't see. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. I'll go seven as well. All right. So then next category is food and drink prices. All right. So I assume I'm still leading off here. So I gave that one a seven as well. Um, Dog was a little bit more expensive, but it was a foot long dog. So you got a big lot of bang for your buck there. As Mason mentioned, they also had a value dog there. That was pretty good priced. Um, It got knocked down a little bit on price-wise because this first beer we got was 
like 12 ounces and it was like $13. However, yep. I think we got a couple 20 ounces afterwards for like $15. So yeah, I brought so it, it helped bring it back up. It was 20 ounce cans, not 20 ounce draft, but you do get a lot more bang for your buck there. Yep. Um, I was exact same notes, but I'm actually going to give it a six just because it seems like it's very inconsistent just from where, where we were walking. Some of it seemed like you, you would just assume that they would try and price it the same across the stadium for the same stuff. So I'm going to give it a six just due to inconsistency. Yeah, I'm probably going with a six too. Uh, the value menu is nice because the food's actually pretty decent. You can get the popcorn and, uh, and hot mm-hmm. dog and stuff, and it's pretty cheap. So I'll say a six. All right. Um, so then next we have atmosphere. All right. So for that one, I gave it a six. It was Arizona, Colorado. There wasn't a lot to cheer for in that game at times. Um, Buffalo had that stolen base. That was pretty good. Yeah, two stolen bases. Two stolen bases. Yeah, and an yeah. Error. Yes, but that was later. That one doesn't count. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it was a really nice feel inside. Very perfect temperature and everything. Given that it was a hundred plus outside, um, so that helps it out. But fans just weren't super into it. I mean, there wasn't a lot to cheer about, like we said. Zero zero into the what was it the eighth inning. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then the scoring there was not anything to be excited about either. Right. So I'm actually going to give it a five, and I've got one extra note to add here. And it is that if you watch a game at Chase Field on TV, it looks like they don't have any lights on. And you're like, how? Like, is the grass that dark? Like, what is it? No, it's just kind of that dark in the stadium. And it almost felt more like a movie theater than a baseball stadium to me, just from the lighting itself. And so I'm going to knock it down another point to five. Okay. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Like general vibe of the fans is uh, not that great, but that's probably just because they're the Diamondbacks right now. Mm-hmm. And... um it does kind of get a little bit loud in there, probably just because of the roof. Uh, yep. it's, so it's if they, that, if they uh, actually had more fans, it would probably be a good atmosphere. Yeah, it, it's it, got that T-Mobile Park effect where it just holds all this. And I know you haven't been there, but Matt and I have, so he knows what I'm saying. But it just kind of holds all the sound in, so it makes a really small crowd feel like a lot. So when they do cheer, you're like, okay, this is actually kind of a good atmosphere. Yep. Yeah, and so, then there wasn't like a whole lot that they did in their uh i guess presentation on the video board or anything that impressed me in any way so i probably well, just gave it a four and that was the one that had the little uh or the race the hot dog race thing with the three kids where they didn't actually move is that right Get out about that yeah do we all need matt do you and i want to knock it down a peg i think I actually, so i'll, I'll drop it down to a that. five yeah for those who don't know what Mason's talking about, like when you do the normal hot dog race and everything, you see, like they kind of show it on the scoreboard and then from out of one of the outfield gates, the hot dogs come running through for the, to the finish line. Well, they had these kids that were running in the hot dog costumes at like third base and there's somebody holding them. 
And at first when we were watching this, we were like, they're just letting them build up like the running momentum and then they're going to let them go. Nope. They just held them there running the entire time, meaning nothing. And then they just stopped yeah. running and walked away. Well, and, and we don't even know how it correlated to whatever was on the video board. Like, oh, I'm sure it didn't. Did they, did they have a force plate that they were going <laughs> with trying to translate? It, it just, yeah. it felt so dumb. It was. But, all right. And then this last category... I feel like we need to almost weight the categories and we can do that at a later point in time, but we'll, we'll give it a one through 10 ranking on, on X factor right now, but not every stadium is going to have an X factor. Some of them are just going to be kind of plain. So it's like, do you give it a five? Do you give it a one? How do you do that? And so I guess, Matt, did you have an X factor for chase field? Not really. I mean, they got a couple cool things. Like we've mentioned, like they have the pool out there. I like I liked the idea of the road dog, but there wasn't really anything that stood out to me that was like, this is so cool. Yeah. So in my mind, I give it a five. There's some neat uh, stuff, but nothing pushes it over that middle tier. Yeah, I get that. Uh and then for me, like it's it's downtown. It's right next to where um was it the Suns or was it the, the WNBA team? Did we ever figure that out? It was the Suns right behind it, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So it's right next to the Suns arena, so you would think there would be like a ton of stuff right around it. And there really wasn't. Like, it just kind of felt like uh, there's two stadiums and then like one to two restaurants between it. The stadium itself didn't have anything phenomenal. So... It it just felt like there wasn't a ton there except this the team and the team isn't good either. So I'm going with a four just because of the area around it being kind of lackluster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no X factor for me either. I mean, I, the fact that we're trying to think of one probably means that it didn't exist. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't I don't even know what my five, I guess. Neutral. Works for me. So, yeah, we'll go with five being neutral on those. So um, for any stadium, just to keep it the same. And we'll we'll figure out if we need to do a weighted ranking here. Uh, but that gives Chase Field an overall score of five point five three. This is the first stadium that I believe we have ranked on this podcast. I don't remember if I actually did mine for T-Mobile Park. I might have, but doubt it. All right, so. From there, we went on to San Diego. Gowie, you want to talk to us about that first San Diego game? Yes. So that was a game on a Sunday, and it was a day game. So we showed up, uh, you know, bought some tickets right there at the box office, went right in, and um, we were expecting a pitcher's duel, and we kind of got one in this game with Trevor Rogers going for the Marlins and Joe Musgrove going for the Padres. They both pitched really well in this game. Uh, Jazz Chisholm had a home run in the sixth inning to put the Marlins up 2 nothing. And then in the, there really wasn't going on um, like a whole lot offensively for the Padres. And they've kind of struggled this season generally outside of Machado and Hosmer, who have been amazing this season. Really top-heavy team to this point. With guys like uh, Cronenworth, Grisham, uh, Nola, and Voight, none of those guys have really performed 
too well this year. So it gets down to the bottom of the ninth inning. They're down uh, 2 nothing, And it's been a very uh, disappointing game by the home team again, just like the day before when we were in Arizona. And the ninth inning goes like this. Uh, Nola strikes out, Profar singles. Uh, Grisham hits into a fielder's choice. C.J. Abrams comes up and bloops a little uh, single to left field. Then the Padres put in a pinch hitter, um, Jorge Alfaro. And there's a there's like a mound visitor right before he batted, correct? Yep. yep. Yeah. So pitching coach goes out, gives him the game plan on Alfaro, who I was talking about as having the worst plate discipline in all of professional baseball. Um, first pitch of the at-bat absolutely destroys the ball. To left field, 450 feet for a three-run homer walk-off. It was possibly the longest home run in the history of history. It was gone. He crushed Instantly. it. We all, the entire stadium knew it was gone in that split second where he hit it. So, very exciting end to a very boring game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's uh, they're putting his interview on the on the video board after. Um, get to see him get uh dunked or uh uh, the water poured on him and he's talking about how he was telling his mom or his mom was saying you're going to hit a home run for me today even though you're not playing and he responds with do you know how hard that is (laughs) and then he did it so yeah and then the next day we we saw that we saw the highlight of the the home run the next day on tv and it was a slider middle middle at 85 miles per hour. So we understand why he did what he did to that ball. Yeah. Yeah, like can you name a bigger meatball than that? No. Yeah. No. But, but that was not the only game that we caught while we were in San Diego. We also went to the next game against the Cubbies. Um, this one was actually really fun because we ended up getting our tickets down, uh, kind of right at the corner of the, uh, the field level. And so you get a completely different view and we just watched Kyle Hendricks just dominate that game. Eight and two thirds shutout innings, uh, seven strikeouts. I'm not sure he's ever thrown more than about one in a game. Rude. That's a, that's a hurtful thing to say. (laughs) He can throw a read he could throw a Reed Detmers no hitter. <laughs> uh, no, but Hendricks absolutely dominated that game. Uh, we got to see the young stud Mackenzie Gore uh, go up against him, and he pitched really, really well for five innings as well. Six Ks. He did give up three runs. Um, and in the Cubs, they had this game from the from the start. But Mackenzie Gore did pitch really well. Um. Padres only got four guys on base the entire game. Uh, and then we did get to see one quote unquote home run. Uh, that was not in this game. One. That was that not in this that game? game. That was the game we watched on TV at the, at the fine oh, San Matthew, Diego establishment. It, Matthew, you put it in the wrong group of games. All right. Please hold off on the quote unquote home run. We'll talk about it in a minute. We should mention what we were doing while we were watching this game live, though. Yes, we should. What were we doing, Matthew? 
We were watching the greatest comeback in MLB history. <laughs> so while watching this game, we, me being a Guardians fan, was kind of following along with that game. And it came into the ninth inning and Cleveland. Weren't they was, down by how how many were they down by six? They were down eight to two. Yeah, and I was making fun of them. I was like, oh, what happened to their amazing offense? Yeah, and so it starts with uh, a Jimenez double, and you're like, okay. Uh, or, sorry, Jimenez home, where you're like, okay, 8-3. Then they get some runners on base, and they get an air 8-4. Okay, whatever. And then Josh Nelson Naylor steps up to the plate and just wallops a ball to right center field. And by wallops, I mean it barely cleared the fence. But he still uh, hits a grand slam to tie the game. Tenth inning goes, and this is taking us to extra. Tenth inning goes by, each team gets scrapes across a run, and the eleventh inning walks up. And guess who comes up to play with two men on base? Josh Naylor. And he does it again. And he has seven RBIs in the last three innings of the game, along with a double that game. And after he hit that three-run homer, he had arguably the greatest home run celebration ever recorded on TV. So was it in Cleveland? No, it was in Chicago. How much do you think Chicago fined him for the uh, property damage? (laughs) What the wall took from his helmet? Yeah. Yeah, so I was he, I was a bit worried about his elbow after he threw the helmet when he got back in the dugout after he did some aggressive high fiving with all his teammates coming back to the dugout. Um, he just chucks so, his helmet at the at a wall. I can't remember if I'm thinking of this one or if I'm mixing this and the Schwarber like yelling at the up. Was Naylor a two-handed throw, or was Naylor just like a wind-up one-handed? Just a, it was just a one-handed. Yeah, he gr- yanks it off and then chucks it. Okay, so so Schwarber was the two-handed. The slam? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But yeah, no, it, that helmet had to be like, what, 85 out of the hand? <laughs> like, Probably. At least. He had some velo on that thing. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... Cubs win, Guardians win, we go home happy and fat. <laughs> yeah, the food was so good. Oh, yep. yeah, and we'll get to that one here in a minute. Oh, yeah. But, so then, uh, Gowie, you want to tell us about our third game in San Diego? <laughs> uh, I think Matthew wants to tell us about that that's, one. That's a good point. So, naturally, we spend all day up on Beer Street. And as one does make a last minute decision that we're going to go to a game. So game was what? At, uh, 640, 640. And we're back at the hotel at like 630. And we're just starting to look for games. So we see a couple options for tickets as we're starting to walk to the stadium. Game time hits as we're finding stuff. And StubHub comes across the screen. And it's like no more tickets for the game. Naturally thinking it's just hit the game time, so we're good. I refresh the screen, and tickets all of a sudden pop up. I'm like, great. Buy the tickets. By this point, we're like right at security, so we walk right through. 
tickets are delivered a minute later. We get up to the line and we have him give him the ticket, scans it, and then it flashes red. And uh, upon further investigation of those tickets, they were purchased for the following day and not the game we were trying to go to. Womp womp. Yep. So instead of going to that game, we went to the bar where the day before I had lost my glasses. Um, so that was fun. They didn't have them again. They're gone. No idea where they went. Um, so that was unfortunate. But uh, it was a pretty solid, pretty solid game overall. I mean, Wade Miley struggled um, giving up three runs in three innings. But Alfonso Rivas hit a home run, his second of his career or just the season? The season of the season in what we believe is his hometown because he's yeah. from pretty close to San Diego. You and found his parents, correct, Matthew? Or you found his family yeah, that, at the game? That was the, the day first game, right? The first game, yeah. Yeah, I walked by. There was a crowd of about four or five guys with or people with his jersey on, and I'll, I talked to you guys about it. I think the next day, I was like, I'm shocked. There's so many. Well, fans and of his they here. weren't all the same number though either. Yeah, there was three that had one number, and then a fourth had a different number. Yeah. So so that was fun. He got to hit a home run, we think, probably in front of his family, because I'm sure they probably went to all three games. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Rafael Ortega uh, scored later in the game. He stole third base, throwing error, went into left field. He scored on that. And then Frank the Tank Schwindel comes up absolutely pulverizes a ball and we're watching it i'm pretty sure gowie jumped up in the bar i did definitely jump up in the bar and he was yelling and then uh it falls at the warning track because it is one of those new uh uh humidor balls that doesn't go nearly as far as it should that ball was full of water 100 percent. it had to no other explanation like he hit it probably 107 off the bat yeah Roughly 105. I think it was and 105, that, yeah. That thing should have been gone. And, and then the lady at the bar next to us comes over and gets in his face, and he's like, that's what you get. <laughs> so, I deserve that, but I was accosted by a, a rowdy Padres fan. Yeah. So we had a great time in San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's time to go ahead and do our stadium rankings. What do you guys think? Yep. All right. So architecture and gally and i have been there before and so this is not our first trip there so matthew what was your impression of the architecture of petco park going for your first time well i give it a nine um it was a very nice ballpark it has there's not it doesn't it feels like it's one of those ballparks where there's not really a bad seat in the house um there's so much going on, like in the outfield behind center field, you got like, I think there's the grass area in the middle. And then you got like a little T-ball, little kids ball, like um, mini field back there. There's this nice yep. place to walk up to the Gwyn statue. Which um, is right in the center of the batter's eye. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I mean, the back coming, walking behind home plate through all the concourses and everything. There's just so much going on, and there's so many options for what you, whatever you want there. That was a really nice place. Yeah, and I, I'm going to give it a 10. Um, so last time we were out there, what was that, 2019, Gabby? Yeah. 
so we took the tour and so they were telling us like when the stadium was being designed in the early 2000s like all that went into it and like so they tried to uh, capture all of the different elements of being right there on the coast um because it's it's right on the san diego bay or uh, whatever is is that san diego bay that's what that is uh yeah i think so yeah and so it's a whole bunch of limestone that i think half of it was taken out of bloomington indiana here um and uh the blue seats that kind of are supposed to be reminiscent of the water and the uh sky meeting and it's just it feels really natural with the area for being just like a very um baseball stadiums are very just like out of place just in general they never feel like they belong um for the most part because it's just this big monstrosity in the middle of a city uh but this one feels like it belongs it's all stone um the Western Metal Supply Company building out in left field uh, was on the site before they built it, and it was a historic building, so they couldn't tear it down. So that's the left field foul pole, and it just feels so, so cool um, that it, it's the prettiest stadium I've ever been to, and I think now I've been to 11 total. So I give it a 10. Yeah, I really like walking the concourses there. Like Everything is not the same when you walk all the way around that it's like a, you see different stuff all the way around and they've mm-hmm. got uh, you know the like some greenery in there as well and and then of course the view of the um san diego like cityscape in the background is is cool um uh, yeah and i like what you're saying about the stadium just really fits where it is um uh, i give it a 10 as well all right. So now we get to food and drink selection. Ten. And yeah, I mean, the most food variety I have ever seen at a ballpark. And probably yeah. the highest quality food I've ever seen at a ballpark. I mean, I think Gowie and I both agree we had probably one of our top three meals of the entire trip in that stadium. And I couldn't tell you if it was the tri tip nachos or the chicken sandwich, but one of those two is top three on the trip. Wouldn't that make them both top two, both top three? <laughs> well, it would make it so there's a tie for three. So it'd be Still top, top four. three. It'd be top four. I it's three. But, yeah, right, top threes. three. Sorry. Come on. I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> you got you to keep hyping up the ballpark. You got two top three foods. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but the pizza there is really good. If you just go to uh, uh, Pizza Port. Yeah, Pizza Port. Um, they have the largest beer selection that I've ever seen in a, at a stadium. Um, in the concourse right behind Home Plate, there are 10, I think, carts from different breweries. And it just has a portion of the beer from each one of those breweries that you can find in that stadium. It, it's phenomenal. So, all right. Now on to the prices. So I gave it a nine. Originally, I was at a seven to an eight. But then our second game on Monday, when we found that happy hour, bumped it up. It is a good point. So if you go into the Ballast Point um, or Ballast Point Brewing on the second level, kind of behind the first baseline, um, before the game, it's $5 12-ounce beers. Uh, once the game starts, definitely get the 20 ounces because it's your better value. 
they're about 1550. Um, but before the game, get in there, go to that bar and the food is awesome. That's where we had the, uh, the hot chicken sandwiches. I think you had the tenders, mm-hmm. which were fantastic. Yep. Um, and if you can manage to get to the front of the line, that's where you stay the whole time before the game. It does get a little slow. So we definitely missed the first bat or the first was it just the first batter or the first half inning trying to get back to our seats. It was definitely part of that first inning because we missed them score that first run. Yeah, but I think I'm going to go with an eight just because like the food is more expensive. The beer is more expensive, but you don't really care because of the sheer like quality and selection that you have. Yeah, so I'm going with it. an eight. I think the prices are worth it and they're not outrageous for what you get. Uh, so I'd say a nine. All right. So now on to atmosphere. Yeah. So I was flipping between a seven and an eight here. I think I'm going to go with an eight because of the follow home run. But um, I it was a little... I mean, Monday was hard because... They literally had nothing, to, no life in that whole game. So there was yeah. just no, no fan interaction or enjoyment there. But there was a, I will say Cubs fans travel well, no surprise. And there was a lot of Cubs fans at that Monday game. Yeah. Yes, there were. Um, they were into it. Yeah. And I think comparing it to Chase Field, like they're um, kind of between innings um, activities are way better. Um, Their video boards are elite, I think. Like, they have a new fun fact about each player on both teams for every at-bat of the game. And I think... We only got to one Cubs game, so I couldn't really tell game to game, but I wonder if they have different facts for each each day, because that would be sweet. Uh, But then they've got your advanced statistics up there. Uh, They use fan graphs, um, but that was really nice to see. Um. So yeah, uh, I think I'm also gonna go with an eight. Uh, the Anchorman race is awesome. Uh, Brick got distracted after having a massive lead. Uh, and Ron Burgundy won, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> Someone sounds a bit salty about that, but <laughs> I I am, but I know Brick, so it's like I can't be too mad. Yeah, I love the atmosphere uh, in San Diego. I think that Sunday game was kind of just laid back, and that's just the way the games are. I feel like people aren't like on the edge of their seat. There's so much other stuff to do in that ballpark, but uh, I don't know. Like, I still enjoyed it a lot and uh, feel very relaxed when I'm there, I guess. Yeah. I give it a 10. All right. And then now we get to the X factor and I kind of want to go first on this one, if you don't mind. So for me, the X factor is their connection to history. Like it's not a team that is necessarily like the most dominant in history. They don't have the best players of all time with the exception of guys like Tony Gwynn, uh, Dave Winfield, Trevor Hoffman. They are up there, uh, especially for their positions and what they did. Um, but if you go look through their hall of fame, they have plaques of guys who played for the Padres at some point, but didn't go on with the Padres hat. 
Some of them kind of feel cheap because they were when they were the PCL affiliate of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But there's some others that are really cool. Uh, the fact that they brought in Western Metal Supply is part of the the stadium. Um, and just all the little aspects of the stadium that are playing into the history of the city and the history of their team. I just really like it. I'm going to give it a seven, maybe seven and a half. Oh, you can go next. My X factor is Eric Hosmer. No, not really, but (laughs) my X factor is just the whole, uh, the whole situation there, all the things that we've talked about, the food, the beer, the architecture, um, just the whole experience is just everything you could possibly want when you go to visit a baseball ballpark and a game. Like it's just a great time. So 10 out of 10. All right, Matt, what do you got? So, I think mine's kind of part of it's the opposite of what you said about Chase Field, where there's really nothing around it. You had to walk five, six minutes before you really hit our first bar. How long did we circle trying to find one there? And well, we just, went past a prom that we thought was a thing that we could go to, and then turns out it was a prom, and it's like, oh no, yes. So, but the Padres being right in the Gas Lamp District. It was so easy to walk around there. There's so much going on. It's such a cool area. And then, as you mentioned before, they are the really the first stadium that's gone that in-depth in the advanced statistics on the scoreboard. And that was very neat to see. So, I will give it an 8. All right. So, that brings us to a total overall for Petco Park of a 9.1. All right, so we are approaching an hour, so let's go a little faster on these next two. The Angels one shouldn't take very long, but the Dodgers might take a minute, so we'll try and go pretty quick on it. Um, next day, traveled to Anaheim, drove up there uh, for the day after the no-hitter, Otani Day, against Tampa. Um, Tampa was putting out some scrub named like Shane McClanahan or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Otani, six innings, two hits, five Ks, giving up one run. Sugar Shane McClanahan, seven shutout innings with 11 Ks. Uh, Kiermeyer got the scoring started uh, against Otani with a 422 foot home run. Uh, destroyed the ball. Didn't know Kevin Kiermeyer could hit it out of the infield. Now I do. Um, Let's see. And then uh, Yandi hit like a 120 mile an hour single uh, that scored Taylor Walls in the eighth. And then we get to the fun part. So this game's lineup was missing Michael Nelson Trout, Taylor Nelson Ward, more guys. Uh, it was missing David Fletcher. It was missing who's who was their shortstop before, um, or was it still that dude? I think it was Andrew Velasquez. It was still Velasquez. All right. So I guess Velasquez was still there. But so we ended up seeing three guys that I think we were looking forward to seeing short King, David Fletcher, Taylor Ward and Mike Trout all out of the lineup. Well, Taylor Nelson Ward comes into pinch hit 
in the eighth inning and did what Taylor Nelson Ward does and hit a two-run bomb to tie the game. Um, so we go to extras. Uh, Tampa gets two runs off a, a loop. Um, and then the Angels bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Trout, to pinch hit in the 10th inning. Uh, he disappointed us by only taking a walk. And then the Angels still managed to fail the score and lost 4-2. to two. So it was, a, it was a fun late innings again. I, how many times has that happened now? Three? So three out of four games so far, everything waits until late to get interesting. Um, is there anything I'm missing about the game itself? Just that uh, the extra inning experience was pretty much like worse than I expected or about what I expected. It, the, the road team scored like really quickly in the 10th inning, like on the first batter, right? There was a double into left field, just scores a run just completely deflates the crowd and I don't know, it just doesn't feel <laughs> which, like baseball. Which was run, run. basically non-existent. Did we actually was, look up what the attendance of that game was? More than it probably actually was. Yeah. And, and it, with that game, it was a bit odd because the game was scheduled for 4 PM local time. So it was like, yeah. so attendance was 21,000, 46% <laughs> of their stadium. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no, maybe definitely 15, felt like less. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was maybe fifteen k actually showed up to the game. So deflating fifteen thousand fans in an open air stadium when they're not the most rowdy fans in general, you don't really tell that anything bad happened. Like you, you wouldn't know anything bad happened if you weren't watching it yourself. So, but yeah. So what do you say we go ahead and knock out these uh, Angel Stadium rankings real quick? It'll be pretty quick for me. I can go on a rant if you want me to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll let you do your comments, and then I'll just add in if I got anything. So what do you got for architecture, Matt? I gave it a four because the bones of the stadium are okay, but holy crap, what a waste of space their outfield is. How many more seats you could fit in there? Their scoreboards are the worst thing I've ever seen. They have two. Two-thirds of each scoreboard are filled with ads. But it's only Ad two advertisements on each. It's not like they made use of the space. They changed it because I think they had pretty much the same two ads on every scoreboard on the scoreboard the whole game. They used yep. to be hard on there like a billboard, and then they upgraded it to be a screen and still kept the same two ads on there. It took us and what, like till the seventh inning to find out what the, the uh, pitch count was or whatever. We yeah, found out pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> we made him never found out. Well, yeah. I didn't. Cause I couldn't see it cause it was so small. Yeah. And I mean, if Gally wasn't there for us, I don't think we could have read anything on those scoreboards. <laughs> I would have just pulled up the box score on MLB TV. Yeah. So it, but. Because of the, the way the stadium, the bones of the stadium are solid, I gave it a four. Yeah, so. I'm going to give it a three. Similar notes. The stuff that they did do um, to update it from 1962 was just really poorly done. Like the 
the s- stuff they did do in the outfield, um, as far as like restaurants they put out there, are just big boxes. They they look like they brought in shipping containers and cut a hole in the side to put in a restaurant. Um, and it just and there was the wasted space you can't see over the fountain, which from the stadium view looks really cool, or the the waterfall out there looks really cool when you're looking from behind home plate. But if you're anywhere near it, it's like the worst thing you've ever seen. So I give it a three. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. It's just got a kind of old feel. Not that old is bad, but feels like it needs a, a refresh and update. It, fe- it feels old and not historic. Yep. So what number are you giving it, Gowie? I'll say a four. All right. Food and drink selection. So I'm either at a two or a 10 here. Depends on how we think those nachos were. (laughs) So we ordered nachos once there. And the guy goes behind the counter, pulls out like one of those paper trays, sticks a little container of cheese in there, a little container of jalapenos in there, and then sticks a Tostito bag on top. It's like, that'll be $7. So I'm going to go with a two because that's about the best thing you can get at that stadium still. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, looking online at the options they have, it wasn't good. Um, When you're walking by, like it felt like it was my high school's concession stands. But worse. We at least made made sandwich ribeyes like but they had like the box candy that you could get for a dollar at Walmart. They had the same peanuts you could get at every game. Um, just regular like bottles of soda and water. But I'm not even sure they had like soda dispensers, did they? I didn't see them. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a two like they had concessions. So it in there's supposedly really good nachos somewhere in that stadium. We just never found them. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I guess we didn't eat that much there. No, we did not. So what do you think? Two? Sure, two. All right. Food and drink price. It's a uh, tough one for us to judge because we didn't really buy enough stuff. I paid $7 to make my own nachos. You made them perfectly, I might add. I know. So I enhanced the quality of those. So they were worth $7 in the end. But, yeah, no. So what, was, what was your number there? Two. Two. Yeah, I just looking at the boards, I kind of agree. I didn't buy anything myself there. I think you bought a water for me, and that was about it. But also, Mason, before we go any further, we're almost done with the Angels. Oh, my God. You forgot to remind me earlier. I remind you for the Padres, but I forgot about the Angels. Well, okay. Well, don't let me forget the last one. Um, Gowie, food, drink price. Let's just say two. Yeah. Three. Whatever. Atmosphere. I'm giving it a one. That was the worst at baseball atmosphere I've ever been to. And it was a really well-played game. Like it was a pitcher's duel between two of the best pitchers in the league. Um, we got to see a Taylor Ward home run. 
we got to see Mike Trout pinch hit. And nobody ever made a sound except the guys behind us that were talking about not the game that was going on. It was the worst atmosphere I've ever been to in a major league stadium. They got kind of into it doing like, when Taylor Ward hit run. the when when he hit the pinch hit home run, like people were really excited. And when he came up, when they announced that he was coming to bat, like people got very excited as well. Yeah, but it was it was just a small crowd, I think, and I think that was just a function of it being at a weird time on a Wednesday. And it's not in a good location either, which certainly plays into it. Yeah, because like, I don't I mean, think that right game was the a good game to like judge the the atmosphere of what it normally is. I've I've got to think that it's much better than that for a regular night game. That's fair. Uh, was anyone else there living the George though, Gary? No, just no. me. That's fair. I was live love Lorenzo, and... <laughs> but all right. So, what do you got for atmosphere scores? Three. Yeah, I'll say four. All right, I'm really bringing down the Angels' score here. I hated that stadium. Oh, I did uh, too. <laughs> so. X factor. The metal detectors. Before Gally can say it. The the metal detectors is a plus. I'm but everything else is so far down. I it, except Fletcher. He's up. Ooh, that's a good point. We got a picture with short King David Fletcher. Who's taller than uh, me, apparently. Yeah, I don't know how that makes sense. Um Ooh, I was going to give it a huge down from the fact that it's like a mile wide parking lot to get to like the one restaurant around it. Um, but we have two pluses there, so I might give it a four. Ooh. Might give it a four. It does have Carl Strauss Brewing right next to it, which was really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, at least. But you had to walk about a mile to get to it. And yep. then they blocked off the one crosswalk, so you had to walk another mile. Yeah. I think X Factor for me, for the Angels, is really just their players, right? It's Mike Trout, it's Otani, Taylor Ward. And I was pretty, I'll be honest, I was a little demoralized when I was uh, obsessively scrolling Twitter to find the lineup on the way there. And I found out that Mike Trout and Taylor Ward were not in the lineup. So I'm glad they at least got in the game. So mm-hmm. I got to see them play live. So I'll say just uh, four for X Factor. All right. What do you got, Matt? I'll go three. All right. Any new notes there? If not, I'll get to the, the overall here. Go for it. Our overall for Angel Stadium, 2.8. Not good. At some point, once we have like 15 stadiums in here, I think it'll be interesting. Um, So finally, we go across town to Dodger Stadium where we caught two games against the Phillies. And I think we all kind of thought that this would be one of the more interesting matchups of the week Um, just from quality of teams playing. Like, yeah, the Phillies maybe have not been playing the best, but the lineup that they put together could be awesome uh in that first game gal you want to talk us through it real quick yeah so this is well it was an absolutely wild game started off with the phillies scoring a bunch of runs uh bryce was a menace 
to the Dodgers pitching staff in this series. He hit like 609 last week, uh, and he's dealing with a uh, partially torn UCL. Um, I so, think he homered in every game of the series too, didn't he? Uh, maybe. But yeah, he definitely homered in that first game we watched on Thursday. Um, scored some more runs. Uh, Bellinger hit a home run while we were getting food. And then, uh, what, they were up by six runs or so in the middle innings of this game. And then the Dodgers start. Yeah, so they start making a little bit of a comeback, make it 7-3 in the eighth. And then in that eighth inning, they the, the Dodgers create a bunch of base running traffic and end up scoring um, a whole bunch of runs and, and tying this game. There was some uh, questionable decision-making to have Hanser Alberto lay down a bunt in the in the eighth inning there with with one out and uh, runners on base, but they did tie the game. And then in the ninth, um, Daniel Hudson's pitching for the Dodgers, and he ends up throwing a wild pitch that allows the go ahead run to score, and one more run scores. So Dodgers are heading to the ninth inning with um, down by two, and in the ninth inning. The Dodgers get the first three runners on base. So they've got a great chance to tie the game or take the lead and win it. And they have three straight fly ball outs to lose the game. So 9-7, tons of runs. All the runs that we missed in the previous games uh, that week, we got in this game. And it was it was an excellent game to watch. Very exciting to be there for. Oh, yeah. And then we went the next day. With my little sister. And Matt, you want to tell us what happened in that game? So, following the game the day prior, it was yet another scoring barrage fueled by seven home runs, or four home runs, sorry, seven doubles. There were 18 runs scored in the first nine innings. Bryce was still playing with one arm, yet again went off with a homer and two doubles. He's showing that one our men can still play baseball. Um, Bueller, I had just seen uh, a couple days prior, he actually had the lowest career whip of any pitcher in his first 100 career starts. He did not live up to that. Uh, he gave up five runs in five innings, um, let up nine hits, and walked a guy. That, that wasn't too good. Um... The Dodgers, um, so it's tied going into the extra innings, and the Dodgers vaulter. And they let the Phillies score three runs in the 10th, which is about the time the remaining fans all got up and left. We definitely stayed through the whole game. Um, and the Dodgers were determined in the 10th inning not to have the same fate they did the day prior. So once again, they loaded up the bases. This time there was an out, though, so it was slightly different. So they were due not to do the same thing. And they ground into a force out, I believe, and get one run across. So two outs, two on, down two. And they once again fail to score any more runs. Those 12... Justin Turner also did have that dramatic uh, home run in the bottom of the ninth tie the game. Yes. That's right. It was a very long game. I think it was almost four and a half hours when it finally yeah. ended. 
It was. I think Jordan was a little over it after about hour three. <laughs> so that was four, that was kind of four nineteen was the full time. Dang four four eighteen yeah. Hey, at least that one lasted longer than our uh, our trip to the stadium. The day before, it was a three and a half hour game for a three hour trip to the stadium. Yeah, we got so. the true Dodger uh, Dodger experience of getting to the ballpark. On the second day, we were watching from the the top uh, viewpoint from the stadium. People still coming into the stadium in the like third, fourth inning of the game. I think it was still the, the sixth inning. Was it? Yeah. yeah, people were coming in as the season ticket holders were starting to leave. <laughs> yeah. So the stadium never filled up, but I bet the attendance was still probably 50-some thousand that actually walked in the gate. It claimed 50K. All right, so let's get to our last ranking of the day and then wrap it up. So honestly, I wanted to hate the stadium before I got there. And I loved it. Like, it was built in 1962. Couple years before Angel Stadium, I think I might have earlier said Angel Stadium was built in '62. It was built in '66. Dodger Stadium was built in '62, and you could tell it has all the historic elements of the 1962 Dodger Stadium. It's got the scoreboard that's kind of the diamond shape that I think is relatively early in its history. Um, they definitely played into like the historic feel of the stadium, trying not to make the concourses all shiny and chrome and glass. And, and, but at the same time, it felt really modern. Like they had a whole bunch of really good, uh, or like really nice looking, um, restaurants and concession stands. They did have areas that felt a little bit ultra modern, um, they put in the new video boards, the ribbon boards all around, whole bunch of new signage that they played into the old feel, but it was new signage. And it felt like what the Angels should do with their stadium. But the Dodgers did it and they did it right. So architecture, I'm going to go with the 10 on Dodger Stadium. I agree. Plus that, plus that view of the hills was just awesome. Yeah. Yep, their view is one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best. I mean, you get the hills in the back. It's just amazing. And I'm going to give it a 10-2 for a lot of the same reasons you said. Is It's, the oldest, it's one of the old, top three oldest ballparks. It's the third oldest. I think so. Yeah, I think after and, uh, Fenway and Wrigley. And it is very hard to tell. They have revolutionized that thing to make it fit so well for today's day and age. Their outfield... While they have plenty of outfield seating, and then they have a walkway back there where you can stand up at tables. Beyond that, at the field level, they have all of these food options. And it's like a giant party back there. I mean, it's just concession after concession. There's beer after beer. I mean, whatever you want, you can go back there and just hang out. And so Yeah, that area is really cool because they got the big TV as well. So it's mm-hmm. like you could spend a few innings there and you know, get some food and get a drink and then go back to your seats. And it's, yeah, and you it's don't awesome. miss anything. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I give it, I, I'll say I'll give it a nine. All right. So now we get to food and drink selection. <laughs> the selection is an interesting one because we had some struggles finding some things that we had searched for online 
the Michelada sausage, which was nowhere to be found in the stadium. We asked so many people. They all pointed us in a different direction, and then there would be nothing there. So, And we, the supposedly elite ice cream sandwiches, the exact same thing. Yes. So, so they've clearly changed their menu and not uh, updated these sites. Yeah, since April of this year. We might add, like, it's not like we're looking at old stuff from a year ago. It was opening day. This is the new stuff at Dodger Stadium, and it's just nowhere to be found. So. I don't know. I'm going to give it maybe an. I'm going to give it maybe an eight, because even though those things were missing, like the stuff that there was was still awesome, because like the the um, sausage that we did find was an al pastor chorizo sausage um and it was awesome i loved it the tacos were very the good tacos were yep. fantastic the beer was great good selection the yep. what we didn't get to try which was the helmet nachos and the garlic fries looked and smelled amazing yes they did so yeah. i'm going with an eight what do you guys got yeah i'll say eight too if we even found one of those two items you mentioned i think i'd have to give it a 10 but because of our despite our valiant efforts to find this (laughs) sausage or the ice cream it was all for naught yeah matthew and i were just on a mission we were like walking around that whole stadium trying to find this sausage well in on two different days yeah yeah i'll give it an eight eight as well yeah all right, so now we get to food and drink price. This one, I'm not as happy with the prices there as I was at Petco. The food was equally good. It was also more expensive. And the beer was a lot more expensive. It was $3 more per beer for what I think might have been less. So I'm actually going to give it maybe about a 6 on price because, like, you would think it would be really low because of how expensive it was, but because of the quality of the food you get for it, it floats it back up to a six. I'll say seven. I'm not as upset about the price because I kind of expected it being in downtown LA. So that's where I bump it up just a little bit there. But yes, it is definitely the most expensive food I have had at a ballpark. Yeah. I'll go with the six as well. All right, so now now we get to atmosphere, and I cannot think of a single reason to ding it. It was elite baseball atmosphere for me. Everyone there that I talked to, other than the people that we mistakenly went to the wrong section and they didn't seem to like us, um, other than them, everyone we talked to was incredibly nice. Uh, They all knew everything about the Dodgers. Um, A lot of them were willing to take our sticker, which I thought that was pretty cool that they were actually willing to just take stickers from random people that say, hey, we do a podcast. And half of them, I think, have actually checked it out. Um, Some of them have tweeted at us. So I'm going with a 10. Like, they didn't win, but it got loud. They were energetic. I loved it. I'm not sure if this is, like, really atmosphere, but... It's more uh, just their whole public transport situation. Because on that Friday game, 
when the game started, the stadium was mostly empty, which is like so ridiculous to me. And it's I'm just I'm taking that into account in X Factor, if that helps. Yeah, but helps your decision. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, good fans, like very uh, into the game, and I don't know, just it's a good place to be. Yeah. What's your ranking? Yeah, you never gave me a number. Uh, I'll say uh, eight. All right. How about you, so, Matt? I'll say nine for two reasons that kind of go hand in hand. That were mentioned, uh, you mentioned, Gary, there. The transportation, which causes fans to come in late and then leave early to try and beat the traffic. But then that does take away, kind of as Mason mentioned in the description of the architecture, it never felt full. And I was always looking around, and like when they announced the 50,000, I looked around, and I'm like, there's no way. I know they have a big stadium. But I was like, there's like 40,000 people here, maybe. Like, it was not a full Friday night game like you would want. Yeah. And that's all based on... People were still showing up in the sixth inning. Yeah, exactly. That's based on people showing up still and people then getting up and leaving because they have season tickets and they have to beat the traffic. Which I don't blame them for that. That's just the way LA is. But it takes away just a little bit. Yeah. So I'm actually taking that into account with my X factor because that's like like the atmosphere at the points in time where there were a ton of people was awesome. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It became such a big problem that the X factor there. I'm going with maybe a three, honestly, maybe a four. like there's there's really good things about it. But the X factor I'm taking into account specifically is the travel to and from the stadium. There's not a whole lot right around it either. Um, it's kind of out in the middle of, of the hills, and so there's not a ton of restaurants and things right near it that you could go to. Um, so that alone brings it down quite a bit for me. But it has nothing to do with the stadium itself. It's everything about getting to the stadium. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the fans. You kind of already talked about them a bit. Um, in the atmosphere section, but I was expecting Dodgers fans to be like a little bit like uh, entitled, kind of like Cardinals fans online. Uh, but I, I they were like the online ex- qualifier. They're like that. extremely um, <laughs> knowledgeable and friendly. And um, I don't know. They're, they're just great baseball fans. It, it appears from the ones that we spoke with and uh, you know, yeah, like I'll probably give it like a nine. All right. Yeah. So what do you I got, like, Matt? I like always. I'm going to go a little lower. I'll give it an eight. But same idea. The people are awesome. And not even just the fans, but expanding it out into like the uh, bus drivers that we were there and talking to oh, yeah. that took us to the games and everything. Like they were just sitting there talking to us because the bus was literally full of people. So we just got crammed next to the driver. And he was just talking to us while we were going to the games. As well, another yeah. bonus is while the public transit kind of sucks, the Dodgers do offer a free shuttle to and from the games um, to a couple different points. Four. <laughs> well, we figured it out by day two. We got yeah. on the first bus from the other stop. So yeah. Prepare it the first day you go to Dodger Stadium. It's going to take you at least three hours. 
The second day, <laughs> you'll understand how it works. And you'll get there in about 30 minutes. Yes. Mostly because you will have done like the two hours of travel beforehand. That counts. But. All right. So with my incredibly low X factor rating, which actually I feel like I'm going to actually float that up a little bit because I think I was being a little unfair. Um, so I'm going to take my X factor back to the five. Um, it brings our total overall for Dodger Stadium to 8.07, which means that on this trip, the number one stadium we went to was Petco Park in San Diego with a 9.1. And the absolute worst stadium we went to was Angel Stadium with 2.8. So I'm going to keep this uh, this file here. And as we go to more stadiums as a group, I want to go through and do this and add to it and eventually hopefully have all 30. So I think it would just be really cool to have a definitive ranking of the best stadiums. I kind of want to give Angel Stadium a second shot on a day that I know on a day that I know that Trout is playing. Because I I feel like maybe we missed a few things and it might be a little better than we thought, but it's not significantly better than we thought. I've been to an Angel Stadium night game. You'll maybe get up. You'll maybe get up to a four. So maybe I won't go back, but go to the new ballpark. That's true. They did uh, get approval for a new site, right? They just don't have approval on a stadium. Close. There's there's not a ton of legal issues between them getting a site now. Yeah, they're they're closing it's in just on that. Yeah. The, yeah. All right. So that I think wraps it up for the week. Um, it's pretty long episode, but we had a lot to talk about. It was a fantastic trip. Um, Definitely would do it again, maybe with two other guys. I don't like you two. Uh, <laughs> now, we'll, uh, I think we've got some ideas of what the next trip might be. Um, so we'll see which one it ends up being. Um, yeah, so Mark's saying we would love Camden Yard. That may or may not be one that's on the next trip. So um, we'll, we'll find out. That's going to end up being next year. I can't afford to do this again this year. Uh, but yeah, so thank you all for listening in. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube so that you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments or by reaching out to us on Facebook or Twitter at getaway day pod, um, or, uh, leaving a review at Apple podcasts, Spotify, any of those podcasting apps. We see those reviews. Um, and then we do also have our new TikTok. um, so you can follow that at getaway day pod and we'll figure out how to use that. Now that we're not traveling around to the stadiums, doing home run challenges that no one's going to win. There may uh, or may not be lots of Mookie videos on it. I might do those on my personal, but she's not very photogenic. So we'll see. Stick a baseball um, hat on her. I've tried. She hates it, <laughs> but all right. So I think that is about it. You got any closing statements, fellas? Going once, going twice, sold. Thank you and have a fantastic rest of your evening.